everybody. I'm Susie. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm grateful to be here and grateful to have been asked. Um, yeah, I definitely, this is, I consider the century meeting my home meeting. I consider myself a century person. Um, I have had my ups and my downs, and um, and I've kept coming back always to this meeting. Even in the days where I would call, I would say that I went into a relapse. I, I wouldn't I didn't leave the rooms. I always came back to the century meeting. Didn't always feel good. I'll get a little bit more into that. It didn't, didn't always feel good sitting there knowing that I wasn't doing all the work that everybody else was doing, but at least that I was there. And um, yeah, so my top, I will qualify. Um, my top weight was 313 pounds. And um, my low weight was 208 pounds. Today, or at least the last time I was weighed, I was at 225. So um, that's what that looks like. So I'm at that almost like 90 pound mark right now. But um, I have some photographs. And for those of you who uh, remember from me, uh, those of you who would come to the meeting, you don't have to go look through my whole pink binder that I used to share. Um, this was me at my top weight. I love this picture. It just is like, I'm miserable. I'm just miserable. You can see it on my face. And, um, I have, I have one, this is another great one where I'm like in a restaurant with these two women who are between the two of them are taking up less massive space than I am barely fitting into that table. I mean, I'm sure the rest of you who identify as century people remember that feeling very well. Like, am I going to fit in there? Like my smile on my face is like, okay, yeah, I'm barely in here. Please don't take a picture. I'm squished in. And then this picture is um, my siblings and I, this is of course me and my brother. So I was born the youngest of four and we are all either one year or less apart. So there's a couple pairs of Irish twins in the family and Recently, my mom told me the story that um, she said, you know, you were so quiet and you were so good. You would sit in the corner and suck your thumb. And I swear, I sometimes forgot that I had had you. And I feel like, oh, that says a lot. That explains a lot. And probably like around feeding, God only knows what. And I, you know, I have worked my program very strongly over forgiveness for my mother, because I do feel like I came from a childhood where there was some neglect and there was some trauma and there was some abuse and there was chaos. And I'm quite sure, even though I don't remember specifically saying to myself, like you are go, let's go eat. And we don't have to think about those things. I definitely ate to soothe myself. And um, so, yeah, that, I mean, I started becoming a chubby kid when I was in like kindergarten or first grade. And it just always, it became exponentially greater. I had the first communion dress that had to be custom made. I had many little like uniforms and things that had to be special outfitted with little side panels. And I was always the fattest kid in all my classes. And I always had, um, I always experienced a lot of shame around like family members who were well, you know, I don't know, well meaning by telling me how fat I was and that I should try to do something about it. And, you know, and I mean, there, there definitely were the diets that I remember at a very early age and even, you know, and things that worked and then they didn't work. And I'd be back on that same, you know, wagon again, doing the diet, losing some weight, then gaining some weight. Um, yeah. And, you know, there was always so much shame 
around it all. So much shame and being a little girl and growing up, you know, being older and, and all of my friends had boyfriends. I never had a boyfriend. I always was jealous of that, you know, always feeling like I didn't have enough self-worth. It's always, it's another thing that I deal with is like the feelings of self-worth around what somebody else thinks of me. And, you know, throughout the course of my life, a lot of that around what men or potential partners or suitors would, you know, what they would think of me. Um, it's constant stuff that I always work on, you know, comes up often in any step work that I do. Um, but I have a program to work on it. So, you know, that's, um, yeah, that's always the, so much, a lot of work to be done. I, the newcomers, I want to say, this is just my story. This is not, I'm not going to tell you exactly how the program has to work. I'm going to tell you about how it worked for me. Um, and you know, if anybody has any questions afterwards, feel free to buy numbers in the underneath my name and feel free to call me and I can expand on any of it. Um, so I had, I think it was probably, I mean, I was older when I found, um, OA, I knew about it. I had a grandfather who was an alcoholic and he, um, went to AA and I knew about it. In fact, he, we we grew up, I grew up near Akron, Ohio. And so I'm pretty sure he probably went to some of those you know, meeting number one or something. And I, what's one of the regrets, my regrets that I have is that I didn't find a way until um, after he had passed away and I could talk to him about 12 steps. Anyway, you know, that's the way it goes, right? I wasn't ready. I wasn't, I didn't come until I was ready. So I was 44 years old before I decided to come into OA. I had been at my top weight when I was at 313, was probably around the year 2000. And I had sat in a chair, and I'm sorry for those of you who know this, but I sat in a chair and I broke the chair and I fell and I tore my rotator cuff and I didn't like address that. Like it didn't deal with it. I mean, that's definitely, that's me when I'm not working a program. That's me when I'm in my deepest of despairs and I'm not taking care of myself. I'm ignoring stuff. I'm hoping it will go away. I won't, you know, address a situation that needs to be addressed. And so I did go into a, another, like after many years, probably a good decade or so of not even trying at all to diet, I then decided to, to go into a weight loss program, a commercial weight loss program, and I lost 50 pounds. And then, and then I kept, I, that was as far as I could go. And I kept gaining weight back after that. And then I would lose it again and I would gain it again and I would lose it again. And I just like, I mean, I swear, I feel like that's when I was most miserable in my life. That was my rock bottom was like knowing what it would take to um, to lose the weight and not being able to do it. And I remember being in that commercial weight loss program thinking like, this is easy. This is so easy. And like, and yeah, the physics of it, it can work out, but I just was never in the right mindset and, um, or at least it wouldn't last. So um, eventually, you know, I was, I had this, I had a career that was, um, kept me very busy, which is another issue that I have in my life. And it continues to be a problem in my life. And, um, but it kept me very busy and I would work really hard. And so that I could come home 12 after 12 hours or so and feel like I was, you know, allowed to binge allowed to do, you know, that behavior. And, um, I it wasn't until after I got laid off from that job that I had like, it was like six months in or six months after maybe something like that, that I, realized like I have to really do something. And I went to see a life coach and she had recommended OA to me. She knew somebody else. One of her other clients was in the program. She gave me his phone number to call. I called him. 
I don't know if he ever called me back. I think he may not have even, but I still like found it in me to do some research and find a meeting. And I found this meeting and this newcomer meeting. And um, I came and I, I immediately saw somebody who had lost over a hundred pounds and had been keeping it off. And, um, and he just had this serenity. I don't know if he's in here today. I haven't scrolled through things. Um, I hope so. But he just had this serenity about him. And I just, oh my God, I still to this day, I love seeing his face. And, um, but then he told me how he ate and he didn't eat any carbohydrates, any sugar, any, anything. And like, I heard that and I cried and I cried a lot in the beginning of the meetings. Um, and I came to find out, somebody said to me, like, you don't have to commit to all this. This is a lot to do at one point. And I didn't start eating this way. And so like somebody said, can you just eat three meals a day? I'm like, sure, I can do that. That's easy. And it wasn't that easy. Like I ate one meal and I wasn't going to eat enough. Like I had breakfast at like nine and then knowing I couldn't eat until like noon again, I was like, okay, now what do I do? What am I doing? I'm like literally like swilling thumbs and doing all kinds of things. I played video games like crazy, but I didn't eat between those meals. And I, you know, and that was my first abstinence and it was pretty amazing. And I had big meals. I did. Somebody once shared ate three troughs a day, you know, <laughs> and then there's another person who shared about how they would eat like a chicken at each meal. I just love those stories. I love them. And um, because I can relate to them, you know, and eventually I was able to over time, like taper away what I had eaten, no, identify the foods that gave me problems. I found a sponsor early on. I'm so grateful to that person. And I um, work, started working the steps with her and started, you know, identifying, like going back into the childhood, going back to the history of stuff. Here are the foods that I ate that caused me trouble. These are the things that continue to cause me trouble. This is the thing I know. If I eat this thing, I am powerless over it until the whole package is gone. And those were the things that I would start one by one eliminating. And, um, you know, and it worked. And then also, you know, eventually you get to the point where you start talking about this whole higher power business. And I was not thrilled about that notion. It probably was the thing that kept me away from the program. And I, you know, cause I was raised Catholic, but then I turned away from that faith and just kind of went into the whole, Oh, religion is the opiate for the masses kind of mentality and not really fully understanding that difference between religion versus spirituality. And, you know, I mean, that has been an eye opening thing for me in these last, you know, these last 10, 12 years of my life. And, um, yeah, I find that really amazing. And so I worked, started working the steps, came to believe that, I mean, clearly the powerlessness was identified very easy on. I mean, how could, you know, how could I not have been like, and I'm only five, five on a good day. I mean, I think I'm like technically gone down to like five, four and um, at 313 pounds, like I was big. It was not, it was not easy to manage my life, you know, at that weight and get around and, you know, um, um, but so that was easy to, to identify powerlessness to then come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Like what do I have to do that? And so I could, I could divorce myself from the notion that it, I can have something else. Maybe it's the power of all of you. Maybe it's the power of the room. Maybe it's written into the steps or into the big book, but there's something out there that I can ask for the help and it doesn't have to be me. And I feel like that was the easiest thing for me to kind of grasp. Like, I don't know what I need to believe in, but I do know that I can't answer my own problems. 
If 40 at the time, it was 44, 44 years of living the life and gotten me to 313 pounds and a torn rotator cuff and not dealing with myself and all of the other stuff, you know, um, yeah, like, okay, so I, that I could grasp onto. And I have to say, like, that's probably the, that still is how I identify mostly with a higher power, not an entity of any sort. I definitely don't get behind this whole it's a woman. It's not a man. It's not ever like, I don't go there. I'm a woman. I've gone through menopause. I'm sorry. God is not a woman in my belief. Like, no, it is, it is just not me. And it is something that is out there. It is the universe. It is my instinct. It is, you know, whatever it is. Um, turning over my will over to the care of this higher power was definitely something that I struggled with. And I would often ask, and somebody recently asked this, in this meeting, like, tell me what you do to turn something over. And I used to ask that because I honestly didn't even know what that meant. I would hear people say things like that, like, oh, I'm turning it over. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean you turn it over? What does that look like? Tell me specifically how you do it. And then I came to learn that some people would write something into a God box. Some people would like have a thought and maybe write it down and then meditate on it. Some people would call a friend or a sponsor or whatever and just say, I'm really struggling with this thing. Some people would do a 10th step. You know, it's like the beauty of the steps is that there's action that helps me to deal with all of this stuff. Um, And then that action starts with step four. And I spent a long time doing my first fourth step. And I definitely done them two or three times at least. I know for sure three, maybe four times. I don't even know. And um, I've written volumes, you know, and like, even as it says in the in the book is like, oh, you know, you just want to like, okay, what do I have to write notebook? And then what's the format you're using? And maybe I should do this. And, you know, it doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to be in the right format. It doesn't have to be in the prettiest notebook. It just has to get out of you. And I would go to that 10 o'clock, 10, 9.45 meeting on Saturday. And I wrote so much in that meeting. It was so great. It's a writing meeting. And I really highly recommend it if you're struggling to get through the fourth step. Um, yeah, I did a lot of that writing in there. And then um, and then giving it away. Like, it's one thing to write it all down. It's another thing to give it away. And so here I had the shame of all the things that I had done or thought or held on to. And the person that, like, had done something to me back in fourth grade, you know. And I was just ashamed of all of that stuff. Like, well, who thinks about all of this stuff? And, you know, and I talked to them and I did it. I would share it with my sponsor. And they just would graciously accept it and smile like yep I've been there I've done that and you know then you start to learn like oh I'm not alone I'm not alone in all of this and I do have other people and that was I think the greatest benefit of the fifth step um taking a look at my character defects uh, that continues to be a struggle always I that stuff pops up I remember the last time I did it wasn't too long ago and it's sort of <laughs> Somebody had sent me like a list of all possible things. I'm like, I need to have some structure around it. Like just left it myself. I'm like, well, maybe I do this. Maybe I do that. Like there's so many things that I feel like, can I not, can I address them all? I don't know. And so you just pick something, go with it. I have to be reminded. Sometimes I go back to the list. I'm like, oh yeah, there's that. And then if I don't need to go back to my list, I just, if I'm honest with myself, with what's been happening day to day, I will definitely come to realize what my what my character defects are. And, you know, it's funny that I'm using the term character defect. I feel like 
initially I really rebelled from the language of that and thought it was really harsh. It's like, this is character asset, character traits, whatever. I mean, I learned all of the language around this program that I used to have offense with, and there was a lot of it, probably most of it. I've learned to just accept, call it what it is, and resign myself from the debating society, right? Is that something else that we learned from the big book? And it's been really helpful for me. Um, let's see. I want to get back to, I guess I was kind of going through the steps there to a certain extent. Um, step 10 is something that I do. You know, I commit my food to my sponsor. It was something that happened that I, something that I wasn't doing regularly um, toward Oh gosh, the last couple of years. And finally, it was like a little over a year ago, last summer, that was coming up on two years, that I just was like, I, I was living this life. I'm going to call it the relapse. I just wasn't working my program. I didn't have the willingness. I didn't want to have to like say that I was a um, compulsive overeater. I didn't want to be one of, of, of you, of us, of this thing. I guess I got kind of grew weary of it. And it just sort of perpetuated itself. You know, it's like stopping doing one thing led to stopping of another thing. I was just coming to the one meeting. I really wasn't doing a whole lot of service. I was doing service, but I wasn't committed. And I wasn't doing, um, I wasn't, definitely wasn't committing my food plan. And so then the food was getting sloppy. And I wasn't, I hadn't broken my bottom line abstinence, which was sugar and bread. But then eventually I did. I kind of remember distinctly saying like, until I really going to cross that line, I'm never going to call it. And so I, I did it and then I called it and it made a difference. And so I got back on track with my very gracious and wonderful sponsor who's just like, of course, no problem. Here we go again. We just started over again and I commit my food. She had advised like, well, we had talked about, actually, I don't know who came up with the idea, but um, found the how questions and started doing them. And so I was writing the questions every single day. I had picked up a meditation practice, which perhaps was catapulted me to kind of getting honest with myself. And that was something that was a really great gift through my work of all things. And um, yeah, and I've continued to do that today. Um, I'm continuing to commit my food. I'm not great at it. I do have my times where I just don't do it, but I, you know, can always just go back. She will always be there to take it. And I always have to just be honest with myself. Um, I do service at meetings. I do service in intergroup level. I last year when this pandemic started, some one fellow said something like, "What's intergroup doing with all the money that didn't get spent for travel to go to the conventions?" Well, that's a really good question. So I contacted the intergroup chair, and she said, "Come to the meeting and let's talk about it." And so I had been epoch co-chair a while ago where we placed advertisement, try to, you know, increase awareness of OA. And I said, maybe we should divert some of this money. I put together a proposal and it was like unanimously approved to get this budget to do some outreach. Um, and it's been really amazing. I stepped in to do that service. I did it temporarily at first. And then as the, you know, positions changed over a couple months ago, I I agreed to like step on full time to do this for another year. And uh, like, that's the kind of stuff that saves my life. You know, I think it's so important that we can spread the message. You know, I feel like people don't know about OA in the same way they know about AA. And I'm like, why not? Why do they not? And it's, you know, 
it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. So I'll put a little pitch. If anybody wants to be on the committee, hit me up after. Um, but that service has helped me. I do service at this meeting. I do this go around. I'm the newcomer chair and I greet the newcomers. It, help, it helps me so much to hear the questions of the newcomers, you know, and then also to have to reach out to them and to take their phone calls um, or to make a phone call to them, ask them if they have any questions. It's been really helpful to me. Um, as we know, we don't, we can't keep this program unless we give it back. You know, I mean, that's, that is the way that it really works. Um, I, uh, let's see, I keep my food. I, obviously, I stick to my abstinence. I have evolved it a little bit. I've had some digestive issues. And so I had to kind of like change a little bit. And that's been a challenge because, you know, I, I brought some carbohydrates back into my diet that I had previously taken off the list. And so I have to weigh and measure those. Um, just, you know, and be honest if I ever take some extra spoonfuls. Um, so there's that. And that's just, been, you know, this is my challenge. This is my life. That's, I think that's probably one of the greatest questions that I get asked in the newcomer meeting is like, well, what am I supposed to eat? What can I eat? It's like, it's not so much what can you eat. It's like identifying what are the things that cause you problem. Take a stab in the dark as to what you think your food plan needs to be. And then just talk about it sponsor or talk to your fellows and just be honest about it and talk about it. And that's, to me, that's how, you know, that's how I best figured out what my food plan is for me. I'm sure it will always evolve. Um, you know, I'm getting older and I am very resistant to making portions a bit smaller because I'm older. Um, the weight's not coming off as quickly as I would like it to, but you know, sometimes I have the willingness, sometimes I don't feel as hungry and sometimes I am, I feel ravenous. And then when I dig deep, I find out, oh yeah, there's feelings that are attached to that. So, you know, that's the fun of doing what we need to do. Um, and step 12 obviously is, you know, giving it back. I, I have a sponsee. I need to look into taking some more sponsees. I don't know. I could be available, but um, yeah, yeah. Giving it back is, is definitely, it's the basis of what this program is all about. You know, I do find like the work that I do at PPOC is a big part of that as well. And um, yeah. And the newcomer meeting and answering those questions is really great. Um, let me see. I've taken some notes earlier. Let me see if I... I think I covered everything that I need to cover. Um, I'm really grateful to have been asked to share. You know, I didn't feel worthy of doing that for a while while I was in program. And it's nice to feel that again. Um, I'm grateful to everybody in this room. I'm grateful to my sponsor. I am grateful to this program. I'm grateful to Bill W. And, you know, this program is a lifesaver. It's a chain. It's a game changer. And, you know, it's like, I think that it can be the answer for so many things um, in our lives. It's not just about the food. There's so much more. And um, anyway, I'll open up to shares from all of you. Thanks.